0: Let us begin with the call to worship. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. For it is he who has torn, and he will heal us. He has struck down, and he will bind us. I have swept away your transgressions like a cloud, says the Lord, and your sins like a mist. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Come, let us worship the Lord. Remember that our Lord Jesus Christ is able to sympathize with us in our weakness, since in every respect he was tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us pray. Have mercy, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out our transgressions. Gracious God, whose mercy is higher than the heavens, wider than our wanderings, and deeper than all our sin, receive again your bewildered and broken people. Forgive our folly and our excess, our coldness to human sorrow, our passion for things of the moment. Change our hearts and turn all our desires to your way, that we may love what you love and do what you command. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, give us clean hearts, O God, and put a new and right spirit within us. With God. Only by true faith in Jesus Christ, even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned, nevertheless, without my deserving it at all, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, as if I had never sinned, nor been a sinner as if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. All I need do is accept this gift of God with a believing heart. Believe the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets, and so let us live. Let us pray. Lift up your hearts. Let us lift them to the Lord our God. Loving God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to us who have gone astray from your ways and bring us again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word, Jesus Christ, your Son. Guide us now by your Holy Spirit that through the words of Scripture and sermon we might be led to him who alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Our first lesson comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 6 through 11, how to truly worship the Lord. Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the throngs of life, the throngs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house? When you see the naked, to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindicator shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove the yoke from among you, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of evil, if you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness, and your gloom be like the noonday. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading comes from the book of Mark, and is the feeding of the 5,000 from Mark 6, verses 30 through 44. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, "'Come away to to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while.' For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a deserted place by themselves. Now many saw them going, and they recognized them, and they hurried there on foot from all the towns and arrived ahead of them. As he went to shore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them.' Because they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a very deserted place, and the hours ve- very late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy something for themselves to eat. But Jesus answered them, You give them something to eat. They said to them, Are we to go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? He said to them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he ordered them to get all the people to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and of fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he blessed, broke the loaves, gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish and those who had eaten the loaves numbered 5000 men this is the word of the lord many of you know that my father was a minister and honestly one of the main ideas from this sermon comes from one of his sermons But as I was growing up, my father was in education. He was at the seminary. He was a professor and a dean. My mother also worked in education for the New Brunswick Board of Ed. So what that meant was we had really long summer vacations, not a whole lot of money to do much. So we would pack up the station wagon, hitch up the pop-up trailer, and we would go camping. I have great memories of those trips, but one of my favorite memories is a couple of hours into the trip, my mom would say, who's hungry? And she would pull out this square freezer container full of carrots that she had packed in ice. Now, you have to understand there were six of us in a dog in a station wagon that had no air conditioning. We were hot and sweaty and sticky. And these carrots were crisp and fresh and dripping with ice cold water. I have never had a carrot as good as those carrots on those camping trips. My mom knew we were going to be hungry. She needed to be prepared. To this day, if you travel with my mother on a trip of anywhere more than about an hour, she will have packed snacks for the car. Even if it's not a trip, a big event. I'm not, I haven't gone to a lot of Rutgers football games, but I understand tailgating is a form of art. I have friends who do it regularly and have more food and cooking utensils in the back of their car than I have in my kitchen. People are going to be hungry. You need to be prepared. So what happened with our story today? We have 5,000 people, and nobody has food. Now, the beginning of our scripture tells us that this isn't just happenstance. Jesus isn't just walking around and comes across 5,000 people and says, oh, this is a good opportunity, let me talk. No, we see Jesus at a very human point in his life. Um, The scriptures before leading up to this tell us of his cousin John the Baptist being beheaded, Jesus had sent out the disciples and they have now come back. So he wants to touch base with them and find out what's been going on. He seems a little kind of burnt out. He needs a little retreat, time to get away, trying to get to a deserted place away from the crowds. But the crowd is saying, No, no, you are the event. We've come to see you and we're going to listen to you. You've got to talk to us, we're not going to let you go. You're the event. You are, perhaps, our summer vacation. So they follow him. And yet, none of them have food. This scripture is told in all four Gospels, and it tells often that there were 5,000 men, and it often says not counting women and children. 5,000 men going off and decide to be macho and fend for themselves? Maybe. Women and children? Now, Let's face it, ladies. When we come to church for an hour, we pack snacks. We would not have gone and traveled and listened for days without food. This story is told often in Bible schools and Sunday schools because it has that wow factor. When we talk to little kids and we tell them stories from the Bible, we don't tell them all the laws, we don't tell them who begat who. We tell them those stories that are wow. And this is one of those wow stories. But every time I've heard it, every time I've I've told it to kids, I've always wondered, how did it happen? Now, I understand it's a miracle. It, therefore, by definition defies explanation. But if you'd been one of the 5,000, what would you have seen? When Jesus stood and blessed this food, was it all of a sudden, bam, buffet for everybody? Or was it very subtle, As he passed the basket and you took a piece of bread, did another piece of bread appear, kind of like the magician who pulls handkerchief after handkerchief out of his hand? What would you see if you had been there? My father's thought was that the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 really had nothing to do with food. It had to do with the people being there. It had to do with people's lives being changed, with people understanding what it meant to be a follower of Christ, of people coming to understand what it means to live in faith. And I think my father had the right idea because I think there was a lot of food there. Had I been one of those 5,000, I would have packed food. I am, after all, my mother's child. But also, you have to realize this is biblical times. There's not a Starbucks, a Applebee's, and McDonald's on every corner. These people would have packed food. I also know that had I been there and the disciples started walking around saying, Do you have food to share? I would have said no. I mean, I have enough for my family, but I don't really have food to share. I can be generous but not at the expense of my family. I remember when my children were little, every spring and every fall we would go through their, their clothes and we would give away what didn't fit them anymore. Always feeling kind of proud of ourselves, very generous, doing a good Christian thing. But to be honest, I never gave away my son Sam's winter coat if I didn't have something else for him to wear. I wasn't going to have my family go cold or go without clothing just for someone else. So, I know if I'd been there, I would not have shared my food. Also, in the back of my head, I would have thought, you know, I prepared this food, I packed this food, I carried this food, I've rationed it out. Why should I have to give up that for someone who's just lazy or ill prepared or not thinking ahead? I'm not proud of that thought. I would not have said it out loud had I been there, but I know it would have been in my head. And so for, I would have not have shared my food when the disciples asked. And I think there were a lot of people there that day with food that weren't going to share it. So where does the miracle happen? Well, the miracle happens when Jesus holds up this food and blesses it. Now you have to understand, five loaves of bread and two fish is nothing. Jesus has his own people he's responsible for, right? He has his own inner circle, his disciples... You often read about the the women who are always around. He's got his own little group that he's somewhat responsible for. This isn't even enough food for those people. But Jesus doesn't take that food and provide for himself or provide for even his own inner circle. He stands up there and blesses this food, stands there with confidence and gives it away. In that moment, people's lives were changed. Jesus had been talking all day, and we don't know what he was talking about. We don't have a bulletin, we don't have a podcast for the day, but we can imagine, can't we? He was probably talking about how to love one another, how to care for one another, how to enter the kingdom of God. And he talked all day. But in that moment, when he stands up and offers this food In that moment, people say, Oh, I get it. This is what he's talking about. This man who has nothing gives away what little he has to us. He's not only talking the talk, he's walking the walk, and this is what our expectations are as well. If I want to be a follower of Christ, then this is what I need to do. They finally understood the lesson that he'd been talking about all day and therefore they shared their food and that is why there was so much food it's sort of a cooperative miracle where we all work together to make it happen you may not like that version of the story you may like the idea of the wow and the magical but to me the cooperative miracle is a wonderful telling of the story because it reminds me of what I need to do today. It reminds me of what this church needs to do today. I love the thought that people have a hand in doing miracles. When my kids were in uh, preteen and teenage years, I, with some other um, parents here, we taught the youth group. And I remember one of the kids from this congregation saying, it must have been easier to be a Christian in biblical times. Because you saw all this wild stuff. I mean, if you talked to a burning bush, or you saw the Red Sea part, or you saw the dead being brought to life, how could you not believe? And at the time, I thought, yeah, you're kind of right. We don't really have those wow moments like that anymore, or do we? Maybe the wow moments in our life are more like that cooperative miracle, not so magical and stunning, but more a process, a process that we have a hand in. Every year, the RCA uh, requires us to count the members of our congregation and our congregation numbers about 60 confessing members. Now, that sounds kind of high to me, because um, I know we don't generally have that many people here, but 60 confessing members. Reverend Beardsley tells me that our food pantry for the past year and a half has fed on an average between 500 and 700 people a month. That's pretty wow. That means each person in this congregation has fed... 10 extra people a month now I know 60 feeding 600 is not as cool as 1 feeding 5,000 but wow that's still pretty impressive that's still pretty much along the line of miracles if you told me 2 years ago that I was responsible for feeding 10 extra people a month I would have said no way And honestly, of those 60 confessing members, three of them are probably my kids, who that means I'd be responsible for their 10 as well. So we're talking 40 people I'm feeding every month. I would have said, No way. I can't do that. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. I don't have the cooking skills. But we've done it. I'm telling you this not because I want you to pat yourself on the back and say, Good job although you can pat yourself on the back and say, good job. I'm telling you that because I want you to understand when we help that food pantry, when we donate bags, when we donate food, when we spend time, when we unload the truck, when we pray for it, when we provide money, we participate in one of God's miracles as surely as those people did on that hillside years ago. It's not just a mission. It's not just something the community needs. It's a miracle that this church has an active part in. So, what's the takeaway from the sermon today? There are three points I want you to, to kind of remember. One is that you need to do something. Even if you don't like my idea of the, or my father's idea of the cooperative miracle, the scripture tells us when. The disciples come to Jesus and they say, It's late. People need to eat. You need to stop talking. Let them go home. Jesus says, No. My message is too important. I'm going to keep talking. You do something. You do something. And the disciples, Oh, what a human reaction. I don't have money for it. What do you want me to do? I don't have this this thousands of denarii to buy them bread. So often how we respond when asked to do something. And Jesus says, fine, do something. Find out how much bread you have. Jesus doesn't say, don't worry, I got it covered. No. He tells them, you do something. Do something. And the good news is, it doesn't have to be something great. These 12 disciples talked to 5,000 people, came up with five loaves of bread and two fish. How pathetic is that? It is a good thing that they are not in charge of our fundraising. I mean, that's nothing. But Jesus says, fine, I'll take what little bit you have, this tiny little bit, and I'll make it great. But the third step is probably the most important. You have to do it with faith. Jesus offers up this bread and this fish and he blesses it and he gives it away with this sure faith that God's going to provide. It is nothing. But he knows that it is going to be enough. It is going to be enough because he has faith in a God who always provides for us. I'm reminded of our congregational meeting exactly a month ago when our treasurer gave a a great report of all our finances. And he said to us, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you five years ago. We work at a deficit every year. We have just enough money for five years. And I didn't think I'd heard him correctly, so I actually asked for confirmation of that at the consistory meeting. And yet, five years ago, we were told we had enough money for five years. And here we are, five years later, with enough money for five years. Now, you might say that means we've gone nowhere. We're still where we were five years ago. But if you look at what we've done, we should have nothing. But five years ago, instead of saying, oh, we're working at a deficit, we should close our doors, we should circle the wagons, we should pull into ourselves to try to conserve what little we have, instead of doing that, we started clothing people from the thrift shop. We started feeding the hungry through our food program. And we started sheltering the homeless through the fish and through the emergency men's shelter. We did all that at some expense to ourselves, and yet God is still providing for this church. God is still saying, Go ahead, do it for five more years. It's another one of those amazing miracles. We shouldn't be here, but we are. I talked a lot about this church as a whole, but the lesson is the same for you in your personal life as well. God cares for this church. But God cares for you as an individual more than the church as a whole. If you're looking for a change in your life, you're looking for that miracle to happen, what God asks of you is that you do something. You can't just sit back and hope for the very best. You need to move forward and do something. Good news is, it doesn't have to be anything fantastic it can be very small, a small offering and God will make it great but you need that third step you need to do it with faith you need to believe that God is going to provide for you no matter what happens we have a great God who is always looking out for you so you can do what God calls you to do and do it without fear remember that sometimes our miracles today they're not that wow that we read about in biblical times our miracles these days might take a little bit longer but they're there it may not be so magical it may be that you have to do a little bit of the work it may be a more cooperative type miracle but if you keep your eyes and your heart open if you watch for miracles with faith you'll see them You'll see them happening regularly. Not just in the life of this church, but in your life as well. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you have given us. Help us to remember our role on earth here. Help us to look to you to make what little we have great. Help us to look to you as the faith, the the light of our life, the one we need to look to for all our decisions, the one we need to rely on as our rock. In your name we pray. Amen. standing for the confession of faith found in your bulletin. Let us say what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. There are a couple of announcements. Uh, One of them is that the the soup and movie night this Tuesday has been canceled. Um, there are a fair amount of us who won't be able to be there, so there is no soup and movie this Tuesday. It will resume the following Tuesday. Um, and it's been pretty interesting for those of you who, who haven't come. Uh, Doug has picked out some, some interesting movies, and we've had some, some pretty good discussion um, on Tuesday evenings. But this Tuesday it's canceled. I believe there are some other announcements. Uh, the women's group, is that meeting this Tuesday? Yes? No? Yes, okay. At 12 noon, the women's group is meeting. And uh, Deanna, okay, we come to the point of our worship where we we offer prayers for those um, who we know who, who have special needs. Are there any prayer requests this morning? Dear Lord in heaven, we ask you to watch over this congregation. We ask you to watch over the congregations of your church everywhere helping us to understand what it means to be a follower of Christ, helping us to understand how to live in faith. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Dear Lord, we ask you to watch over those who are lonely, those who are imprisoned, those who are orphaned, those who feel they have no one in the world to turn to. Dear Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We ask you, dear Lord, to watch over those people who are in conflict, those people who are in war zones, people who are in constant danger, people who live within our city streets, fearful every moment, those who live in troubled homes. Dear Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We ask you to give guidance to world leaders, local leaders, national leaders, Dear Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now, in the words of your Son, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We have a special coffee hour today, celebrating Helen Erty's birthday, um, a month late, but she was in Florida at the time. So um, it's very, very festive back there, so I hope all of you will come back to the Bulhauer Power uh, Parlor to celebrate that coffee hour. Um, let us end our service now with the hymn, God Who's Giving Knows No Ending, hymn number 422. Thank mm-hmm. you.